p.m. How to be a pest. Lesson 95. Enter a room with style. Lesson 4. There is no lesson 4. The Pest. Rated PG-13. Opens everywhere February. You like the juice? You like the juice? I'm sorry I wasn't ready, I guess, because I was thinking about all the good times I had watching The Pest starring John Leguizamo. Ah, uh, welcome to Saturday Night Jive, where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. This movie does not have a relation to Saturday Night yes, Live. Yes, it does. We have watched. I, you did. How, where? Paul Miller, the director, directed episodes of SNL, apparently. He did? What, like short films uh, or episodes? According to his IMDb, he directed, like, the Christmas specials. And, like, he's credited oh. in, like, you know, those, like, specials, like, the compilation things where they have, like, like all the Will Ferrell sketches. He's, like, credited as TV director. So he had some directing connection to SNL. Okay. Maybe, yeah, he directed, like, Kristen Wiig introducing Halloween sketches for a Halloween special. I don't, yeah, I don't know the specifics because I, I don't think that shit's available anywhere. But he is listed on IMDb as affiliated with SNL. So fuck you. Oh, wow, all right, so it does have a direct SNL connection. That's better than the uh, tangential one, uh, Mad TV alum Ari Spears is in this movie. Does that count? Well, also, uh, my first note when I was watching this is, is this John Leguizamo's chairman of the board? (laughs) Which I kind of think it is, and that's a connection to our podcast. Yeah, well, and then Jeffrey Jones. uh, We've watched many Jeffrey Jones movies. Man, that guy has a type. Uh, he's always, like, the villain in a movie, but the guy I really want to fucking win in a movie. <laughs> like, And this didn't change he must that. Pick, he must pick scripts deliberately where he's like, okay, I am the villain. Or maybe he just reads them wrong and he's like, oh, I'm the hero of this piece, right? I, I'm trying to murder a racist, annoying man? I, I'm going to be hoisted on the, the shoulders of many a gentleman at the end of this script, I imagine. And then he gets to the end and he's like, I lose? What the fuck? I mean... I thought I was a lovable Nazi, uh, but no. <laughs> I thought I was the best person in the fucking script. Um, but we watched The Pest. Oh, uh, also another pest. another tangential connection, by the way. Uh, this was produced under like a low budget arm of Universal Pictures, where they were like, You're talking about the Bubble Factory, the Bubble Factory. <laughs> and one of the other movies they produced was Slappy and the Stinkers, which is a movie I suggested we watch that you steadfastly refuse to. But now we have to. You have, I did see that on the Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, fuck, does that make Slappy and the Stinkers canonical? It does. But the, the, the Chairman of the Board connection, I, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was comparing it to Chairman of the Board, because it's another movie with uh, a hero that you're kind of rooting against because he's so fucking annoying the whole movie, uh, and he's being usurped by a, an, an actor I enjoy, but, and it's all shot in fisheye lenses, but man... Was I hoping to watch Chairman of the Board? I, like, this movie was making me think fondly of Chairman of the Board. And I was like, oh, I would watch, I want to watch that right now. Give me that fucking carrot top piece of shit movie. It was so much better than The Pest from 1997, starring John Leguizamo. See, but here's where I would, well, one of the points of disagreement I would have with you, which is his, well, maybe not. I guess because his annoyingness in that movie, in Chairman of the Board, wasn't as consequential to the plot as it is here. The fact that John Leguizamo's character, the Pest, and his name is literally Pest. It's short for like some Mexican name, I guess. Pest, Pesterino. Pesterino. Uh, but the idea that he's annoying is the point. The, the, the joke of this movie is it's a comedy version of the most dangerous game where a, a guy is hunting another guy because he's the most annoying person in the world. 
So like that's like that's on purpose. Whereas with Chairman of the Board, that character is annoying because Carrot Top is annoying. But I don't think he's his annoyingness factors into the narrative as well as it does here. Why do you say that John Leguizamo's annoyingness factors into the plot? Jeffrey Jones, when is it established that he's hunting him because he's annoying? Because that's 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 the switch that he makes where he picks – his assistant thinks he picks John Leguizamo as his target when he was actually trying to pick this big strong guy. But he makes the decision to hunt him anyway because of how fucking annoying he is. Uh, all right. I guess. Uh, well, because he also just wants uh, a Latin man for his trophy case because he's killed a member of each race other than Latin. So. This will be the last head in his collection. What I'm saying is, I think this premise has potential that was not realized in this film. I think the idea of a most dangerous game comedy is a workable idea. I just feel like John Leguizamo is in this movie. Uh, yeah, well, and then it's basically a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I mean, Bugs Bunny is, you know, kind of a, an annoying character, and Elmer Fudd is trying to murder him the whole time. And the fun is watching Bugs escape from Elmer Fudd. Uh, but in this movie, I am actively rooting for convicted pedophile Jeffrey Jones to chop this motherfucker's head off. I know. And it's like, at the end, it's, uh, did you see the, the, the latest Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah. Uh, that was my issue with that is like the, the villain of the movie is like doing a good thing. Like the movie establishes like the gods suck. And then there's this guy who wants to kill all the gods, but we're supposed to think he's the bad guy. And so they have to have him like kidnap all these children, even though it makes no sense that his character would kidnap children because his whole motivation is his child died. But like they have to make him the villain. So like they know the audience is like going like, no, he's not, he's got the right idea. We, he's got to be a bad guy. He's got to kidnap family members. So at the end of this movie, they do the same thing where it's like he kidnaps their family so that by the in the third act, you're not going like, why isn't Jeffrey Jones winning against John Leguizamo? Uh, no, I still I was on Jeffrey Jones's side. I was like, murder this man's family. That way they can never make another one. Like, what if his mom and dad fuck again and another fucking pest shows up? I can't take those chances. Well, that was a legitimately funny joke, I thought, uh, when uh, Jeffrey Jones is just like joking around with the family, like, why are you doing this to his, like, his mom comes up and he's like, your son is a secret agent and I'm here to, and she's like, really? It's like, no, I'm just fucking with you. I just hate him. And then his dad's like, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, but there's not enough of that in this movie. I like every single person in this universe should be against John Leguizamo. But somehow, he has best friends who will risk their lives for him, and a girlfriend who wants to marry him, even though he's the most annoying racist person who's ever been on film. I was gonna say, let's start with the racism, but I have to start with Rapper's Delight. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, because uh, my first note says, opening titles, I already hate this. And then it got into a fucking shower dress-up montage for no one's benefit. I just... Okay, here's my thing. And I'm not, I'm not arguing that this is a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. We agree this is bad. But... I, 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 this is the worst movie we've ever watched. <laughs> but I was so fucking pissed watching this movie. See, here's where we differ. I think we have different ideas of what so bad it's good is. Because to me, this was like the ultimate so bad it's good movie and the ultimate Saturday Night Jive movie. <laughs> it has a mafia subplot. Mr. Skids is in the first five fucking minutes. It's Miss, Mr. Skids makes an appearance at one minute and 55 seconds. John Leguizamo fots in the shower. Like a booger, I stick to this. 
take away for this? Man, stinky dinky, ah, ah, It's got Jeffrey Jones. It's got all it. It's it's got everything we want in a, a, a Saturday Night Live bad movie, and I like because like we talk about Stockholm laughter all the time. It doesn't make any sense, but I feel like I had Stockholm laughter fairly early on and throughout this movie, where I was just like it went. It crossed the threshold of so bad that I was just like, I, like in, in in anticipation of being starved for laughs, I was laughing. I disagree, disagree hard. (laughs) I got no smiles. I got no laughs from this movie. Like, there was nothing. Like, normally, even in the worst movies we watch, I will always jot down at least one joke that I liked. I have nothing. I There is nothing in this movie that I found redeemable, (laughs) good on any level. I hated this film so much. (laughs) <laughs> we also watched it in different contexts. You watched it while working. I feel like if I'd watched this at work, I would have been more miserable than I was. Uh, I mean, it was better for me to watch it at work because I would watch like 30 minutes of it and then go, oh shit, I have to like be productive. So I would pause it, work, and then be like, fuck, I have to stop working and go watch more Pest. I, I wish I could just work. Well, before we before we get really into it, I do want to throw out because I have three legitimate things that I found funny in this movie. Uh, the first I already uh, mentioned uh, the uh, the joke at the end. Uh, there's a joke towards the beginning where he asks the kid, "Why do they call you Fat Loser Boy?" and he goes, "Because I'm fat and I never win." Okay, <laughs> I like that joke. Uh, and then uh, my other joke was when he's trying to pretend to be a Chinese delivery boy, and his Chinese boss goes up to him and says. Why do I not understand your Chinese, fellow Chinese man? Ah, my favorite delivery boy. What happened to you? You're late. I'm late. You know, I'm late. 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 I'm I'm from South. It's a different dialect, right? Everybody knows that different dialect. So am I. I'm from South too. Yeah, but I'm from far, 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 far south. It's some great yard. Okay, okay, okay. Wherever you come from, you late for last time. You look, you don't even look Chinese. You look like Mo from Feast Stooges. I fire your ass. Oh, please, give me another chance. Give me another chance. I'll never do it again. I that's only funny because it's terrible. I don't know. I think like that's that's not a clever joke on paper. I don't know. That that was those were my three what I felt to be legitimate laughs. The rest of it was pooping and farting and vomit. And snakes, I believe, uh, going up assholes. Uh, yeah, I man. Okay, starting right with the yeah, the pest. Again, first note, opening credits are in a wacky font, and then it's the '90s. You can't. That's been. That's every fucking '90s movie. But before that, it says brought to you by the Bubble Factory, and I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> like right away, this movie tells you like it ain't worth it. I mean... Turn back now. This is brought to you by the Bubble Factory. And it says John Leguizamo in all wacky letters. I mean, they're no 20th century wolf. I'll give you that. (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, and we're going to get to our discussion of of uh, Silence of the Hams later on, because I think we have a a return to a debate that started there. But I just want to throw this out, um, because I just listened to that episode. I, I did some research, 
and apparently I'm fucking insane because I was like, remember when Shelley Winters farted in Red Button's face? That must have yes, been in the remember. that must have been in the book. It wasn't in the book either. I read the book too, and I would have imagined I, I would. I cannot believe that if I would have read that as a child, I wouldn't have committed that to memory. I just I just want the audience to know that in the weeks since recording that episode, I have like a conspiracy theory wall of where I I got it in my brain that Shelley Winters farted in Red Button's face in the Beside Adventure. Uh, it, it never happened. Um, but, okay, so the fucking past. This starts opening credits. If I would say if you're going to watch any part of the past, just watch the opening credits. And then if this seems like it's something you want to spend an hour and 24 minutes with, then I don't want to be your friend. Or just watch the end credits where they can repeat this segment completely. <laughs> it's the same. But they throw in a couple more farts. They edited in, yeah, more vomit and more farts. And um, just listen to the end of this episode, because presumably that will be the song at the end of the episode. There's no fucking way it's I, not. In all honesty, I was thinking about that as I was watching the end credits for the past. And you have John Leguizamo singing a um, uh, a parody of Rapper's Delight. I don't know if you call it a parody, it, it, but it's uh, the Rapper's Delight track. And he's just rapping about how crazy he is and all the crazy characters he plays. And he plays about 50 fucking characters during the shower scene. Yeah. And while I was watching that at the end of the the movie, I was like, oh, well, shit, I guess this is going to be the song that ends the podcast. And then I'm like, but that's going to be a fucking shitty way to end a podcast. I got to find some song that has pest in the title or something. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out here right now. If the fucking John Leguizamo rap isn't the end of this episode, then I fucking quit. All right. Okay, well, I, you know, spoilers for the end of this podcast, but enjoy whatever the fuck this was. Uh, And also, was Rapper's Delight the only song they could license for this fucking movie? Because, like, every transition scene is boom, 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 boom. Well, I suspect... I got so fucking tired of hearing Rapper's Delight. I suspect the impetus for using it is it's a very easy song to rap to, to make different lyrics, because it's such a, a basic rhythm, and, uh, you know, it's, you know... I don't know, I just, I feel like it was just, like, he's probably not a very good rapper, so they did Rapper's Delight because it's something he could do. Um, well, and then, just thinking logistically filming this, because... The lyrics that he's singing are about, like, the different characters he plays. Like, at one point, he's uh, Dracula, and he's, he's like, I am the... He's farting Dracula. Let's just throw that out there. Yes, he, he's just a farting Dracula, and he's like, and I like to fart, and I like to suck. And so that's the lyric of the song. And then visually, we're seeing him in the shower dressed up as Dracula, farting. So what do you think came first? Do you think he wrote this on set, like in, in the characters and he like ad-libbed and then they like built a rap around it? Or do you think he recorded the rap first and then they had to record all the visuals? So they're like, okay, John, well, you rapped about being a farting Dracula. So we got you this farting Dracula cape. I mean, I didn't give it any thought until you just said it just now, but it, it aligns with uh, something I read on, I believe, the IMDb trivia, where uh, they had a lot of fun on set because the director would encourage improv, and then you know they would kind of do it as written, they would do improv, and they would all kind of build stuff together. My thinking now is, he went into the prop 
section, like the costume department, and pulled out a fucking Dracula costume and just started vamping and was like, I'm a Dracula and I fart. And they were like, we got to fucking put that in the rap. And so then they wrote it into the rap. Okay. And so they wrote the rap on set and then they recorded it so he could, you know, basically like lip sync over it. Yeah. Like a music video. Okay. I I mean, that makes sense. It seems utterly ridiculous. Because <laughs> when you watch these opening credits, they are the most painfully, punishingly unfunny things I've ever seen. But once again, I just want to throw it out here. Perfect SNL or uh, SNG movie. We literally just had a farting Dracula in the previous movie we watched in Silence of the Hams. Dom DeLuise plays a Dracula that farts himself into a standing position. I'm saying this is this is our movie. This is a movie for us. <laughs> well, then I don't like these movies. But that's already been established. Maybe you shouldn't listen to this podcast. I've said that um, many times. Nobody listens. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so at a minute and fifty-five sec, a minute and fifty-five seconds, we get our first fart. Uh, that might be a record for quickest fart. I mean, Can you think of a fart we've had earlier in a film. Not that we've watched. I'm almost certain there is a 90s movie that starts with a fart. Like, I mean, like Tropic Thunder isn't a 90s movie, but it starts with a fart because like the first thing you see is the fart family. That's true. But that would be ironic. That wouldn't be, you know, like I was genuinely supposed to think that was funny. But like if we watch like the Jerky Boys, I wouldn't be surprised if like the first thing was him farting into a telephone. Yeah, there's got to be a movie we've watched where, like, it opens with a character waking up and he farts when he wakes up. I mean, we're going to watch Fart the Movie eventually. I'm just... We are not. Prepare yourself for that, because the next time we have an opportunity where it's, like, my birthday, and it's like, we got to watch whatever he wants, it's going to be Fart the Movie, and that's going to beat this record. Uh, I I can't imagine agreeing to watch that. Well, there are times Uh, when we're like... This is a special day for you. You get to pick the movie and it's without dispute. That's it's going to happen, George. Just prepare yourself mentally (laughs) and emotionally for it. Remember, you're going to have to watch it as well. I know. And I'm going to do that to myself to do it to you. (laughs) Uh, Well, before we get any further into uh, the past, um, could you could you believe that this movie was written in three days on a bet? <laughs> I read that and he expressed a regret that maybe I would have taken a month if I'd known better. You think? You think you would have you would have maybe taken a little longer? The IMDb trivia reads that John Leguizamo wanted to make a movie, so he came up with an idea, and then he asked his he told his friend, like, I bet you can't write this screenplay, and he bet him a thousand dollars. And then his friend wrote a screenplay in three days. <laughs> won the bet, and then they made the movie, and then afterwards they're like, yeah, that probably wasn't the right way to make a fucking movie. And just on the John Leguizamo of it all, uh, I remember recently when the the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, or recently as of this recording anyway, uh, John Leguizamo got mad at it because of its uh, lack of proper representation for Italian people. Oh, yes, I do remember Because he's, oh, I'm not, I'm boycotting it because they're not Italian plumbers. And I mean, it's fine. It's not a leg- illegitimate complaint. Um, but after, after doing this movie, I don't think you ever get to have any concern for wokeness, John Leguizamo, because this is the most racist fucking movie I've ever seen in my goddamn life. This movie is racist with a capital R. (laughs) This movie is so racist that a pedophile's in it and I don't care. 
Uh, exactly. This movie is so racist, I want the pedophile to win at the end. Uh, this movie is so racist, fucking uh, Woodrow Wilson's corpse just got a boner. This movie's so racist that the pedophile is playing an explicit Nazi who has Mein Kampf on his shelf, and I'm still on his side. Nazi pedophiles have no problem with, sir. <laughs> sir, you are class acts. <laughs> oh my god. And I mean... There is not... To his infinite credit, he is the best thing in this movie. Jeffrey Jones, he's the best thing in every movie. That's why it's terrible that he's a horrible human being. Yeah, like that fucking uh, Danny Masterson guy didn't really have a problem with him being a fucking rapist. Oh, I'm going to miss him on The Ranch, a show I don't watch. But Jeffrey Jones is a significant loss. Yeah, well, and Jeffrey Jones, like, he could still be in movies. Like, he's still he's still alive. But yeah, he hasn't been in a movie since 2007. I mean, rightfully so. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work with him. No, that's... The, I just want to see him in things. It's like Kevin Spacey. Uh, Kevin Spacey, who apparently I just got an alert on my phone from Daily Beast because I accidentally turned the notifications on for it and I don't know how to turn them off. Um, and it said uh, he pleads to being a big flirt, but not a rapist. He's just a naughty little boy, that Kevin Spacey. But that's also one where it's like, I want to enjoy Kevin Spacey movies and I can't. Uh, but yeah, no, it's yeah, but Jeffrey Jones, Teflon. <laughs> exactly, I can enjoy Jeffrey Jones' performance, even though was he even really a pedophile? Wasn't it more like a like a art thing, like a Pee Wee Herman thing? Uh, no, he solicited an underage. Uh, ah, damn uh, it! Male. Okay, yeah, like a seventeen-year-old. It wasn't like six-year-olds, but yeah, no, it was. It was. Uh, I'm not soliciting g- an underage underage man. No, I'm not going to equivocate. It was. It was bad. That I was just because I remember that being spoken of in the context of like art and like because Pee Wee Herman got fingered for that as well. But like I, I don't know if it's a. It was actual solicitation then. I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think he had. He might have had child porn too. I don't think so, or at least I don't remember that. But yeah, he, he's definitely a, a registered sex offender. I, I do know that. I remember that from I think his Wikipedia page. Okay, then let's let's just stipulate that he's a bad guy and we shouldn't root for him. But we do because he's a great actor and he's often in movies where everything else sucks, like this and what was the golf movie even called? It's slipping my memory. Uh, who's your caddy? Who's your caddy? Um, I mean, yeah, and he's yeah. he's always in movies where uh, he's he's the villain to an even bigger villain because like the the main characters in Who's Your Caddy were also terrible and racist, and Jeffrey Jones was the guy going like, yeah, these people shouldn't be in my club because they're slobs, and I'm like, fuck yeah, get out, get him out of your club, Jeffrey Jones. Even Ferris and Bueller, one, I'm like, he needs to murder a man. Even Ferris Bueller, which I would argue is a, a decent to good movie, uh, he, I'm I'm still on his side. Ferris Bueller's a piece of shit. Yeah, Ferris Bueller's cool, but when you really think about it, he's a fucking asshole. Well, I'm of the mind that Ferris Bueller is not real, that he is Cameron's Tyler Durden. Uh, I I buy that theory. Yeah, I've heard that theory before, and I, I think I buy it. But of course, then that does that mean that Jeffrey Jones is also not real in that movie? Uh, I mean, it, it could be... Uh, See, because that's that's my only problem with that theory is that how do you explain Dean Rooney? So I think maybe if we look at it from he's Dean Rooney's Tyler Durden. Ooh, that's but Dean Rooney doesn't see all the uh, uh, so much of the crazy shit he does. See, yeah, Cameron makes more sense, but yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. And, and this Dean Rooney is like God in this scenario. <laughs> 
Jeffrey Jones might be God, is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, well, he's definitely the best thing in this fucking movie. Um, he's, <laughs> I was surprised by his Russian accent right away. It's not a Russian accent, it's a German oh, sorry, accent. His, his German accent. Uh, yeah, as soon as I, I saw that, I was like, oh, is, is that going to be a thing throughout the whole movie? <laughs> well, because that's a weird thing, too, because that's... I mean, it makes sense for his character that he's the literal Nazi because he's, you know, just that evil kind of fuck that would hunt people. But the I know a lot about The Most Dangerous Game because it's actually one of my favorite genres of film, human hunting movies. And that's not the original. That was uh, one of the remakes later on made him an actual Nazi. But the original, he wasn't. So that's because it was actually written before the Nazis. Um, but that's interesting that they made him a Nazi in this because that's sort of the more well-known version. But that's actually not from the original text. Uh, did the original text have a, a Scottish mob with uh, panties? Oh, by the way, this movie also has a mafia subplot because it's the perfect Saturday Night Jive movie. It does a, a, a needless mafia subplot. Like, just the movie is about Jeffrey Jones trying hunting John Leguizamo for sport. But then every now and then John Leguizamo is like, oh, no, I also owe money to the mafia. But almost, it's almost like a parody of a, like, it's almost like they're us and they're writing this movie. And I have that as a note, because this movie is on paper, kind of written the way we write. It's like gag a minute. It's just none of the gags are funny. But like, it's trying to cram as much stupid shit per capita as it can, which is how we write comedy shit. Um, but the Scottish Mafia, it feels like they saw a bunch of Mafia subplots in movies and went, wouldn't that be a dumb joke if they were all wearing kilts and shit? Uh, yeah, and it makes... No, well, I mean, they do make some jokes about the Scottish Mafia, but again, yeah, no, it's just a, I guess, I guess it's supposed to be funny. Um, well, it's just because it funny... mafias are inherently ethnic. I found this out because I was trying to make a board game called Cartels, uh, and I wanted to have different, like, characters you could play, like Clue, you know, you you pick a different character. But then I was like, oh, it's just getting really racist because the <laughs> stereotypes were like the Chinese triad and the, and the Italian Mafia and the Mexican cartel. You know, it was like. I I, just, I had to stop making it because it's like I'm just making weird stereotypes. Uh, well, speaking of weird stereotypes, uh, my next note after the Scottish Mafia is John Logosamo works at a Chinese restaurant, which I didn't pick up on that right away. That he worked there, I thought he was stealing that uniform. Uh, no, he's a delivery boy for the Chinese restaurant, but I guess they only hire Chinese people, so he has to pretend to be Chinese. Well, because, uh, yeah, that was my question. results in just a delightfully racist scene. Well, because, like, he's running up, and I didn't realize that was his, I thought he was stealing that, because he was kind of on the run in that moment. And, because, like, he had a wig, he had, like, a Chinese, like, Mo Howard wig. And, like, and the, the Chinese boss doesn't recognize him, so how does he get paid? I don't know. If his boss doesn't know who he is. So I was thinking he was hiding out there and trying to pretend to be Chinese as a gag to just get away, get away from the Scottish mob. Oh, I didn't think that because I noticed that his, uh, the name tag on his Chinese uniform said pest. No, I didn't pick up on that until, well, cause once he goes to Jeffrey Jones's house as a delivery boy, I was like, well, that make, doesn't make sense unless he actually is a delivery boy. Yeah. And then he, he gets a delivery to Jeffrey Jones's house. Uh, well, Jeffrey Jones is setting this whole thing up. There was a mix up in the park. Uh, they saw John Leguizamo running scams, and he goes, I want that guy. And uh, his henchman sees John Leguizamo and goes, oh, he wants that guy. So they coordinate that he delivers Chinese food to Jeffrey Jones, and then that spurs the plot along where it is, yes, uh, a most dangerous game parody. Well, I, I have I have several uh, points before we get to that, though. Uh, first, I just noted 
because I'd always I've always been confused by this. Uh, the song uh, uh, "Baby Got Back" by Sir Mix-a-Lot always confused me because I feel like as I've come of age, the idea of a of a fat butt has always been like a sexually good thing culturally, right? Like. I can never understood like that was the premise of that song was like fat butts are, are shunned by society, but I'm saying they're good. In this movie, John Leguizamo criticized, "Oh, you got a big fat butt, and isn't that gross?" And I was just thinking, like, what? Oh, that's right, it's the '90s. I guess they hated fat butts in the '90s. Oh, who does he say? Who does he say that? To? Uh, his girlfriend's best friend. They're like in the conga line. Oh. And that's just... I, no, I don't remember But that. do you even remember that being a... Th- I feel like for all of my lifetime, or at least understanding sexuality in a broader cultural sense, I've always understood a, a, a big ass to be a good thing. Well, I mean, there's a difference between a fat ass and a big butt. <laughs> I guess, but like, I never remembered like... I guess maybe it would have been the 90s, like when models all were like, really, like the heroin chic thing. But I just, I don't know. I, I never remember that... At least among my peer group being, like, the actual standard of beauty. Uh, speaking of things that don't uh, aren't what they seem, was his girlfriend Carla from Scrubs? I forgot to look it up. No, absolutely not. I never had that thought because it clearly isn't the... Her dad is fucking Joe Morton from goddamn Terminator 2. I My note there was, you deserve way better than this movie. Joe Morton from Terminator 2 and Blues Brothers 2000. I'm actually a, ge- a legitimately big Joe Morton fan. He's in a lot of like sci-fi stuff I watch. He was on a show called Eureka, which oh, I was a great. big fan of. Um, he was a Broadway star, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Joe Morton fan. Uh, I mean, not that he was bad in this movie, but this was a bad movie, and I wish he would have gotten a better movie at the, around the same time that he could have been in. Oh, I, I thought the same thing. When he popped up, I was like, fuck, you're in this thing? I was feeling so bad for Jeffrey Jones. Like, <laughs> Again, I'm shedding tears for a pedophile's career, but I was feeling so bad that he was in this movie. You know, I d- I didn't feel nearly as bad as it, as I did as as a for who's your caddy. This it's a legitimately good role in what is on paper a funny premise that is just bogged down by the John Leguizamo of it all. I think he's relishing the character. The, the I mean, he gets to do an accent. He gets to kind of play like a heavy villain. I I think. I wouldn't be surprised if you asked him about this if he said he had fun with it. Uh, maybe. I, <laughs> he had to work with John Leguizamo. I just had to sit with him for an hour and 24 minutes. Well, I don't necessarily know that John Leguizamo would have been bad to work with. Like That's one of those things like, this is bad in a way that I could believe they didn't get the sense of it while they were making it. And they thought they were all having fun and, and adding gags and shit. Like, they probably thought this would end up good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... People are fucking stupid. But like, who's your caddy? There's no way he wasn't on that set going like, this is shit and I'm not, you know, doing anything here and I'm just getting a paycheck to pay my bills because I'm, I know I'm eventually I'm going to get caught <laughs> with, with child porn and I won't be able to work ever again. I That one was weird because I think, oh no, maybe it was How High. One of those movies was like four years after he got caught. Oh, that's right. He was in How <laughs> High too. And I rooted for him there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't have a big part in How High, but I was I was still on his side. Yeah, I think he only... And then, of course, Mom and Dad saved the world, but he's the well, hero yeah. in that. But didn't he come... He was like the dean or something at the end? Like, he came in like the third act? I think he was a senator. Okay, maybe. I don't remember that movie at all. Because I was so high watching it. 
No, I was not. Uh, I just it just sucked yes, that much yeah. that I don't fucking remember any of it. Wish I was fucking high for watching the pest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could have been. It's my. Like, I mean, I have. <laughs> I, I noted down uh, more racist things, um, but can we get Mr. Skids out of the way? Well, first, I just want to throw out, I forgot, there was another joke I laughed at. When they cut to the Scottish mob, and there's just a sign that says bagpipe auditions to justify the fact that there's bagpipes behind them. I'll give it up to the prop department for putting a sign that said bagpipe auditions, because I did notice that as well and went. That's a pretty good game. All right, but from there, that's all I've got. So yeah, let's just get to the racism. Uh, well, first, I want to take a little visit to Mr. Skids. We already talked about one minute and 55 seconds into this movie. But at 25 minutes and 33 seconds... Oh, sorry. Uh, that's not really a fart, because I wrote down, a raspberry is not a fart. But it sounds like one if you just drop a clip of it in. I'm in like sin. Well, my question to you, because, well, I guess... I'm assuming this is on your list, but I believe we've had controversy in the past. The fairly recent past, I think it was in the Silence of the Hams episode where we discussed whether pooping counts as farting. Because there's a significant poop uh, scene in this film where he is, I would argue, farting while he's pooping. Did that count for Mr. Skids or because poop is coming out, is that a whole separate thing? No, it only doesn't count if there's no farts. You can't just poop and that counts as a fart. Poop is not fart. But if you're farting while you're pooping, as John Leguizamo does at 40 minutes and 37 seconds, when he takes a big old shit and he poop farts a lot. Oh, oh my stomach is funky. I thank God for some privacy, y'all. My back hurts unless a tree hit me. But it's nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of our rage's fortune. Shoo! Shoo! Scat! Shoo! Shoo! I can't concentrate when I'm being watched today. Of course I fought it. What do you think? I smell like this all the time? What's that smell? Because I feel like there was a fart in the poop scene in Silence of the Hams when Mandy, uh, or when uh, Stuart Pankin, I almost said Mandy Patenkin because I always mix them up, when Stuart Pankin uh, blew up the toilet. There was not. And to confirm, I watched it back as I was editing that podcast because you brought it up on that podcast and I was, I, I had to watch it and go, did I miss a fart? I did okay, not. I'll, Stuart Pankin does not fart in that scene. He farts in a later I'll scene. I'll have to take your word for it because I'm never fucking watching that movie back again. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the shit scene in this movie, John Leguizamo is farting and shitting for an awful long time, just way too long. It's like an hour. And then later, and then later he vomits and then the birds come and they try to eat the vomit and then he vomits on a guy and then he vomits some more and there's so much vomit. And then the birds eat the vomit and then poop out the vomit on the guy. (sighs) This is the movie we just watched that I'm probably going to recommend at the end of this podcast. If I'm ever writing a script and I'm pitching and then the birds eat the vomit and they poop on a guy, no matter how funny I think that is in the moment, do not include that in the script. Well, I don't know. Did you see the last uh, couple uh, MCU movies? Because that's actually the the new character that they've introduced. Poop Vomit Man. (laughs) The guy who eats vomit and then poops out the vomit? 
Well, he was a character in the microverse in Quantumania, and then they they brought him back. He's going to get his own spinoff on Disney+. Plus. And that, yes, that is my only power. And yes, it has come in handy once. I was in a movie called The Pest, and they needed prop poop for a scene with a bird. I, I was stunt vomit pooper on The Pest. Look for me in the credits, if you can pay attention to the credits, because the credits are over. A hilarious John Leguizamo dress-up shower rap montage. I feel like we skated over that too quickly. That fucking blew my mind, that they just completely did this, the first scene again over the credits. Not like a montage. There is, like, kind of stuff in it, but, like, it's not like fucking uh, Furry Vengeance, where it's like, let's go to show clips, but do a weird montage where they're singing. That was kind of fun and inventive, or at least relative to the rest of the film. This is literally just the same thing we put at the beginning, at the end, over the credits, and it sucked both times. What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, and like, barely different. Like, it gets a little different. Like I said, they put in more farts at the end of the movie, uh, and they drop in some, like, clips and, like, I guess bloopers, like, real quick. I You can't see them because the credits are going, scrolling over them, so you can't really see the clips. They don't even have the decency to do the thing that most movies do when they'll shrink the credits to one side and then have a little box on the right side for the bloopers so you can see the credits on one side. No, they run the credits over the whole fucking image, so I can't see because fucking the key grip's name is in front of everything. Well, and I didn't notice any new footage. Uh, I remember... The vomit, because he was, there's the one scene where he's spinning in a thing and vomit covers the window. They cut that scene in, and according to, I believe, IMDb trivia, there was a scene that was cut to get it to PG-13 where he engages in bondage at some point, and apparently there's a clip of that in the credits as well, but I did not see that clip. Uh, yeah, that's at the very, that's, that's the very, very end of the movie, is they start showing clips that weren't actually in the movie. Maybe I turned it off before uh, then. Yeah, and then, well, and then there's a post-credit stinger. Did you see that? Oh, I definitely turned it off before then because I did not see that. Oh, it was pointless. It was just Freddie Rodriguez and Ari Spears in a car. Um, not I, like I, I couldn't even tell what they were talking. I think it was a continuation of their conversation about uh, if you would have sex with an alien, but like it was taken out of context, so I couldn't even understand what it was oh was there a setup to that because i remember maybe i dozed off or something when the because i remember Aries spears asking uh john leguizamo as he's running away like hey would you fuck an alien was there something before that that set that up uh yeah at one point i think it's when john leguizamo is at his girlfriend's parents house dressed in african garb to impress uh them because they're black my note for that scene by the way is this movie just went full on soul man uh yeah uh that was um fucking terrible but i think it's during that scene ari spears and freddie rodriguez drove him there so they cut to them outside in the car talking about whether they would have sex with an alien okay so yeah i must have missed the setup to that let's call it a payoff for lack of a better term uh yeah i will not i will not give it that credit uh well because yeah we, we get to um oh and they, i just have one other thing i wanted to point out before they get to the island when he's at, at the carnival or whatever the fuck where they're doing the blind, uh, uh, what do you call that? Where they do the three things? Three card Monty. Uh, yeah. Uh, where they're doing the thing with like shells over uh, something. But anyway, his whole thing is like, I, I'm pretending to be blind, which I've heard of that as like part of a, like a variant of that con where you pretend to be a blind guy doing it. But he's in his own neighborhood and everyone recognizes him. I feel like people know he's not blind doing it here. Um, of course, you're, you're gonna 
you're going to point out a logic flaw in the past, are you? Well, yeah, because I don't think the, the logic <laughs> of this movie is the problem. Um, I suppose so. I mean, the Scottish mob knows who he is, because that's when they grab him. I guess, yeah. And and once the Scottish mob comes in actual kilts, I don't know. And there's another transphobic joke. We had that in Silence of the Hams as well, when he pulls off one of the guy's kilts and he's wearing women's panties. Um, and I don't think that's transphobic. I think it's just a joke about Scotsmen, what they have up their kilts. Oh, maybe not. I guess I thought the joke was, isn't it silly that he wears women's clothing, which I would argue is transphobic. I couldn't even tell what he was wearing. It looked like a diaper, but it was like a frilly diaper. Th- they, they didn't even look like underwear. Yeah, at first I thought it was a diaper too, but yeah, it's like pink and frilly. So it, I, I assume the joke was it's, I mean, I guess, I don't know if it ta- counts as lingerie or not, but yeah. Uh, maybe it was supposed to be women's lingerie, but it looked like a fucking doily or something he was wearing. Yeah, it looked like something like a little girl would wear, like like pantaloons or something. Yeah, like like a cloth doily, just in case he makes a boo boo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's sop up that boo boo. That's all I have in terms of notes pre island. Um, well, and then I don't have any notes uh, to the island because I was just watching this movie in just stunned silence, uh, not enjoying any bit of it. My next note is yeah, the the racist. Uh, scene where he goes to his girlfriend's house. Oh, see, and I have a couple of things of note. Uh, just the, because, like, they hadn't gotten, a, unless you count that as an anti-trans thing, they hadn't really gotten to, like, anti-gay stuff, and then all of a sudden they, you meet uh, Jeffrey Jones's character's son, and it just, for no reason, becomes this weird gay panic thing. And then that becomes a thread where, like, I don't, because, like, I wasn't sure if him being gay and abused by his dad was meant to make me feel sorry for him, setting up an eventual, like, heel face turn where he joins them. And I guess it kind of happens, maybe? But, like, he keeps vacillating back and forth, that character, between, like, being on his dad's side and not wanting to do it, and maybe being on John Leguizamo's side. I could never get a beat on where that character was. It was very inconsistent. And well, was he gay explicitly, or was he just supposed to? I thought he was just supposed to be like a sissy boy. Well, no, I think because he doesn't he imply no because he he, he uh, named the snake cock toe because those are his two favorite body parts, the cock and the toe. What's gay about that? Because right after that, he like pounces on John Leguizamo like he wants to fuck him. Like that was like him trying to hit on him. Oh, well, I mean, those are my two favorite body parts too. <laughs> but uh, but the one I wanted to talk about with that is. Because I think later on it kind of implies that he has, like, a snake fetish. <clears throat> because he tells a story about how his dad, Jeffrey Jones, locked him in a closet with a snake to, like, get him to be a man and kill the snake. And he was in there for, like, weeks uh, with, the, with the dead snake. Uh, still rooting for Jeffrey Jones, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but my question, because later on, he, he, I think he, when John Leguizamo throws the snake away, I think he does something that implies, and I don't know what the implication is, but I think it's like he had the snake. He likes to shove snakes up his ass, like you know Richard Gere and the Gerbil. I didn't get any of that. He seemed to have an obsession with snakes, but I thought that was just because his dad locked him in a closet once. Maybe him. I imagined it or misunderstood something. But I thought there was a scene where the prospect of like the snake as a sexual thing, like he had gave a look, like oh, I want to fucking shove this up my ass. Oh, wait, I do remember that. Uh, Shelly Winters farted in Red Button's face, and then Jeffrey Jones' son shoved a snake in his ass. I don't, I'm not saying he did it, like, on camera. I'm <laughs> saying there was an implication that he wanted to do it off camera. 
And I'm standing by this. Uh, I think no, I saw I, this. I don't remember. Well, you don't have any notes for this entire segment, so I don't know if you were even paying attention. Uh, I was, sadly. So yeah, most of sadly, I most was. Most of it, my rest of my notes we've already talked about. I did want to point out Latinus Spicticus. Uh yeah, I noticed that. Which that was hilarious. We're talking about the races, and that's the the plaque that he's gonna he plans to put under. Which I actually kind of not liked the scene, but like this is a scene I tend to like in other movies. Nate and I just watched a, recently a movie called Surviving the Game, where Ice T gets hunted for sport by F. Murray Abraham. I've heard of that. And it was actually fairly solid for this kind of schlocky, you know, action movie. But uh, there's a scene where he finds all of their severed heads and he freaks out. And he, like, fucking burns it down. And this is like that scene, except this is the first time you get the inkling that it's racially explicitly categorized. Like, he has them by, like, you know, white guy, African-American, etc. But the Latin one is the only one that has, like, a weird fake Latin name. Latinus Spicticus. The rest are just African-American man. It was like he's like go- oh, that is going out of his way to make fun of Latin people, I guess. Well, now, is that racist? If you were hunting uh, men for sport, um, is it racist to want one of each? Well, I just seem, I think it, independent. Or is that just being a collector? Well, independent of how, I mean, yes, let's stipulate for the sake of argument that hunting humans for sport is generally bad. <laughs> generally. <laughs> Unless, well, of course, John Leguizamo is involved, and then I'm all on board, and rooting for the Nazis. Well, what I'm going to throw out is, like, that movie The Hunt, I didn't understand what the fuck the problem was. I was supposed to, like, feel bad that these right-wingers are being hunted for sport? Um, exactly. But, uh, but no, uh, the, the fact that it would occur to you to categorize them by racial type, by ethnicity, rather than any other type of categorization, I feel like that is explicitly racist. Like, it... If I were hunting people for sport, it would never occur to me to be like, I need a black guy, I need an Asian guy. I would hunt, I mean, but I would do it like the hunt. I would hunt by political affiliation. Because that's why I would want to hunt them down, because of what they believe, not the color of their skin. Maybe I'm just not racist like that. I don't know. I'm just thinking of it as like if you were a fisherman, and you're like, oh yeah, well I already have, and you catch a marlin, you know, and you're like, oh... Well, I already have a marlin on my wall. Maybe I'll throw this one back, you know, and then you catch like a trout. And you're like, ah, I ain't got a trout yet. You know, I think if you were, especially if you were putting the heads on your wall, you know, you wouldn't want just three fucking white dudes in a row, would you? You know, I get, well, I guess I'm not thinking in the human hunting mindset because I guess I'm still thinking of like, if I was a human hunter, I would still regard the th- the people I was hunting as the same as me. And because I don't see race, I again I hunt based on the content of their character. Uh, but I just I get yeah I guess it just wouldn't occur to me to separate them that way. I would just think they're all people. I guess, but I mean he's got he's got white people too, so it's not like well no yeah I mean know. again for him it does seem like a collector thing. It just like I would maybe separate like I would hunt one human and have an example of a human, and then I would hunt next to a lion and a rhino and all the other shit I would hunt. Once I got one human, I've already hunted the most dangerous game. I wouldn't be like, what if black people are better to hunt? You know, I, I just, it would never <laughs> occur to me to think that way. I would just be like, no, I, I hunted the ultimate prey, a man, a person. Not even a man. Could be a woman. I'm not even saying, I'm not one of those assholes who's like, oh, the fucking, you know, they shouldn't be in sports or whatever. You know, it, just a person. I would hunt a person to That's death. That's true. And then move on to the next thing. I mean, I- 
I, I'm only thinking about it because Jeffrey Jones hunts his people by uh, ethnic origin. But yeah, if it was me, I would start with a dude, you know, and then I'd get a lady. And then, you know, maybe a kid, maybe like an old guy, you know, I'd, I'd want some differential. But yeah, I would I would hope that uh, the difference I jumped to wouldn't be race. Would you bother with... Because we're all the same when you cut our heads off, if you think Would about. you bother with a baby, or would you just assume that's going to be an easy hunt? I don't know. Have you, have you seen Babies Day Out? Them babies is crafty. Well, or would you, like, fund, like, the Baby Geniuses Project from that movie, get super smart babies, <laughs> and then hunt them? I would want to make it fair, so I would try to genetically engineer a baby so it's a little bit of a chase. Or, uh... What are you working down there in the lab? Making a super baby? What for? So I can murder it? I was gonna say, Baby Geniuses 2 is literally super babies. I think they have, like, genuine superpowers. I feel like that's a baby worth hunting to the de- to death. Uh, did they not have super... We gotta watch Baby Geniuses and Super Babies at some point. You see, I say fart the movie and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Baby Geniuses <laughs> is where it's at. I mean, I know, I've never seen those movies. I'm sure they're terrible, but they're directed by the guy who gave us Karate Dog, and I loved Karate Dog. See, and again, I'm saying I loved this movie for all the wrong reasons. You're like, Ben must be insane. Why aren't we watching Karate Dog again? Um, It's just, no, this movie was just punishingly unfunny. Like, every single thing John Leguizamo did was not humorous to me i could not smile at all in during this whole film there was one thing that i laughed at with him i don't think it was legitimate laughter it was just it went on so long that i i again i don't know if it was stockholm laughter or what but i chuckled at when he's jeffrey jones is like yeah you were poisoned and you're gonna die in like three minutes and he's like if i was poisoned could i do this or this, or this, and he keeps, like, doing this dumb dance. But it was just, I don't know, it just punished, punished me to the point where I think eventually I did chuckle at it. Uh, no, I didn't like that. But speaking of, of the ending, at the very end of the movie, we, we can go back to some racist bits before the ending, but at the very end of the movie, Jeffrey Jones has uh, uh, kidnapped John Leguizamo's family. John Leguizamo has... Uh, stolen some guns and he's got the upper hand on Jeffrey Jones now and he's like ha I'm gonna shoot you and Jeffrey Jones is like oh no you've already lost I poisoned you when we first met and the poison takes 24 hours to work so you're gonna be dead in like 20 fucking seconds so I've I've already won if the movie would have ended with John Leguizamo dying and then just end credits rolling over Jeffrey Jones having a sip of tea with John Leguizamo's head on his wall I think I would have said A-plus film. Like, that's all I wanted for this whole movie, and if it gave that to me at the end, I would have loved it. See, one, I, I disagree for for one reason, because I think it takes something away from Jeffrey Jones's character. I didn't like this plot turn, because I feel like when you introduce a character like this, they have to have a standard where, like, they're not going to cheat like that, you know? They're going to actually, like, live to their side of the bargain, and if he gets to the 24 hours, he gets the money. Because he's offered $50,000 if he can survive 24 hours. I think he should have stuck to that. The idea that, oh, it was rigged from the beginning. I feel like that takes this pedophile Nazi and puts him in a bad light. And I don't like that. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I shouldn't have trusted this pedophile Nazi. But I, I, can get, I can get with pedophile. I can get with Nazi. But cheater just... It's <laughs> too far for me. 
I've lost all respect for you, pedophile Nazi. But the, the, what I think would be a better ending, because he has the family right there. So he's like, okay, fine, you're going to win. But remember, $50,000 is on the line. The family's like, $50,000? What are you talking about? Oh, he paid me $50,000 if I can survive 24 hours. And then Jeffrey Jones turns to them and goes, or I could give it to all of you guys if you kill him for me. And then his own family murders him. And then you cut to Jeffrey Jones with the head on the wall. That would have been good. I would have appreciated that. But wait, now that the, Okay, so then what happens is he says the thing about the poison. And then John Leguizamo, like, quote unquote, dies. He falls down on the ground. Jeffrey Jones thinks he's won. His henchman's like, here's the bag for his head. But then Jeffrey Jones, for no reason, is just like, nah, I don't want that head on my wall. I I wouldn't like looking at it. So he just leaves. And then I guess what happened? Then John Leguizamo was like, oh, it it worked. He just like stood up and then stole all Jeffrey Jones's money. Well, are you asking how he didn't die of the poison? Because they do mention that. Oh, no, I remember... He didn't die from the poison because he vomited it all up in that fun vomit. You thought that was just a hilarious joke, but no, it was narrative specific. It was Chekhov's vomiting uh, seagulls, seagulls eating vomit. Uh, But and I actually called that that twist. I was, but I thought it was going to be the shit. I was like, oh no, he didn't get affected by the poison because, like, the first thing he does when he's on the run from Jeffrey Jones is take that big shit. (laughs) So I thought it was going to be, oh, he shit out the poison. But no, instead he vomited it all up. Which I think the shit is a better plot twist. I think so. But no, I was mostly questioning why Jeffrey Jones didn't murder John Leguizamo or take his head. Or at least check for a pulse. I mean... (laughs) But I guess it's a movie and John Leguizamo is supposedly the hero for some reason. I feel like there's also the practical concern of... Because this is the first time, presumably, that they went off-island. Because he... John Leguizamo tricks the what well, a trick he convinces the son to lend him his boat to go back to the mainland and so he's hunting him on the mainland now he probably just doesn't have the ability opportunity to take the body with him back like it's just kind of hard from you know a, a, a logistical standpoint so he's like i'll just i won't take this trophy i'll just know that i hear that I, that i killed him but he's got his little sack for his head like you could put that in your carry-on he doesn't have to drag the whole body. Well, I want to talk about... Uh, I'm just saying, even if he wasn't planning on hanging up John Leguizamo's head as a trophy, he should have at least still cut off his head so I could have something to enjoy in the film. The whole third act of the movie should just be the slow... Because I imagine cutting off a human head, probably not as quick as like in the movies where it's like, you got a samurai sword and you just one swipe and you cut off his head. I feel like... Like, the guillotine's got a lot of weight to it, so that might be one or two tries at the most. But if you're just like, I don't know what they're using, like, just a knife or something? Like, I feel like it would be a slow process. So you see, like, the whole third act is just, like, just gradually sawn into the back of his neck. Perfect fix to this movie. Jeffrey Jones catches John Leguizamo in minute 40, and then for an hour, it's just the slowest painful death for John Leguizamo. We just watched uh, Deliverance for our other podcast, and uh, there's a scene where um, uh, Burt Reynolds shoots a guy, he, like uh, um, shoots him in the heart with an arrow, and then he's leaning on a thing, and he just sort of slides down and then slowly dies. And I want something like that where John Leguizamo is taking a big poop in the in the woods, and then uh, he gets shot with an arrow in the neck, and that pins him to a tree, and he's like, blah, 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 blah. and then Jeffrey Jones slowly walks in and says, now is the time we end this, and just takes a machete and just starts slowly cutting his neck while it's still pinned to the tree, I think that's, yeah, that's the perfect ending to this movie. 
Yeah, or that snake that bites him just eats him, just envelops him whole, and we just watch the whole digestion process. Like, it just becomes a nature documentary. I would have enjoyed that. And then Jeffrey Jones gives the $50,000 to his family and tells him what happened and was like, hey, I hunted your son for sport. But I'm pretty sure you probably didn't like him anyway. And here's some money because it, like, it wasn't your fault. You know, he was just what he is. He's dead now. Here's some money because I'm a good guy. Nazi pedophile Jeffrey Jones. Even if he took that money and just invested it in creating Nazi robots uh, like the boys from Brazil, I still would have been on his side. Are they robots or clones? I've never seen that movie. I think they're clones. They're Hitler clones. But uh, but yeah, no, I just, I don't know. I, I Yeah, no, I mean, Jeffrey Jones, once again... Always a hero in movies. <laughs> and in life. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Because uh, the, the only other things I want to talk about are... Um, well, I guess we already talked about the African scene. Uh, there's the Jew scene. There's the Japanese scene. And that's it. That's all the uh, Well, no, I have I some have. other notes. Oh, and when they kill white people with their speakers. I don't know if you... Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, when he's... Right when he gets off the island and he's like cl- climbing up, there's like a pool party that he rejoins Aries Spears and uh, uh, Carla's brother from Scrubs. What was his name? Freddy, Freddy Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Um, he played Carla's brother in Scrubs in a couple episodes. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's like this... And coincidentally, Carla was not in this movie like I thought exactly. she was. Uh, but uh, there's a scene where like he's like, I'm going to tell you everything that happened. And then they do this weird like Batman spin transition. And then he's like standing up like they had to get out of the water. And then he's like, and now I'm going to tell you what happened. And I was like, what the fuck? Why couldn't you just do that in one take? Yeah, no, I thought that was just terrible editing. That's but yeah, but I was wondering like what happened that you couldn't just do a cutaway rather than this weird fucking Batman spin pan. I, I have no idea. I mean, I, as an editor, I would hope that I would come up with a better transition, but that was one of the sloppiest transitions to two scenes I've ever seen in my life. And there's another one in and this I've movie. I've watched a lot of movies. There's a fucking Star Wars pan at one point. Uh, yeah, I did notice that. They do do a Star Wars push at one point. I just, all over the place, there was just weird editing choices. Uh, keeping an edit where John Leguizamo was in the movie seemed like an odd choice to me. Yeah, I, if I was the editor, I would have cut John Leguizamo completely out of this movie. It would have been a loving t- father-son story about two Nazis. Okay, so my notes get to the dinner scene now. Haunting somebody in the woods. Uh, I get to, but my, my thought with the dinner scene was, this is what I imagine... Polly Shore's son-in-law probably is as a movie. I've never seen it, but like that's probably what this is. Uh, probably a little less racist, though. Okay, so he's wearing the African garb, I guess, to impress his girlfriend's parents because they're uh, black, and he thinks this will go and over an well. afro and but an afro they... wig. Yeah, and then they serve him Cuban food, and he gets upset because he's like, "What? Why do you think I'm Cuban?" Oh, all this is for you, baby. Santi Pooh, I'm trying to impressify your parents. Oh, wait, does it scare you that I aroused the unsettling passions of the dark continent? Umba, boy, I said, wait, wait. Umba, boy, I said, wait, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it scares me that you're wearing a dress to dinner. Well, I prepared an authentic Cuban meal. Plantanos oh. and frijos los negros. Buenas noches. Why Cuban? Do I look Cuban to you? Do these look like Cuban features to you? Do they? What does a brother have to do to get some respect around here, B.I.A.? <laughs> you know, this close to rioting. This close. If I wasn't so hungry, I'd leave. Can you pass me the platinum, please? So, 
What? What? Where are we? What's happening here? Or is this a comment on something? Also, aren't they in Miami? Uh, yeah. So, like, they probably just have Cuban food because that's a big thing in Miami. That's that's true. It could have nothing to do with you, John Leguizamo. But the fact that a person who has done nothing but be completely racist this entire film is calling out someone else's racism, it just... it. It was like eight layers of wrong. Like, I don't understand where you're coming from, where you think you're coming from, where you think you're going. Oh, yeah. No, it's well, I mean, you're like complaining that I'm I'm just deconstructing the logic of this film. You're going to accuse John Leguizamo as the pest of being a hypocrite. I feel like that's <laughs> that's par for the course. I suppose so. Uh, that just it just rubbed me the wrong way that he's like, oh wait, now you're so this character is aware of racism. Well, if you're aware of racism, then you must be aware that everything you do is racist. Uh, but my next note is: is the tracker inside his dick? I missed where they set that up. Uh, I think it's inside his his underpants. I think they put it in his little pouch. Okay, I guess, because they said something about that, and I missed it, and I didn't want to rewind because I was watching The Pest. But they were like, oh, yeah, the, the tracker is, because he was eating spicy food, and I guess that somehow interacted with it. But, like, his dick is smoking, and, yeah, I I did not understand it. Yes, I guess, I think what was supposed to be happening in that scene is that he was eating the Cuban food, and he got so hot that he started sweating in his crotch region. And that shorted out the track. Okay, that makes sense. I, I did not pick up on that because it was framed so poorly in the film that I just... Yeah, no, I I thought of that later because I was confused by it too. I was like, wait, because he was eating the spicy food and then his crotch started smoking. And I'm like, your dick doesn't get set on fire when you eat something spicy. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, but like it seemed like smoke was coming out of his dick. But at the same time, this is a movie where their car can turn into giant subwoofers, which we'll get to. And you can become farting Dracula in the shower like props will just appear on your body. So there's a cartoon logic that I like it wasn't bothering me. I just didn't understand the actual logic going into it. Yeah. And at first uh, in that shower scene, I wanted to point out the uh, (laughs) the jump in logic that he's taking a shower while he's putting on all these costumes. But it's not worth it to question the logic of the past. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have. I have darts. They're getting shot with darts, and they keep thinking it's funny because more people get getting shot with darts. It feels like a joke from like a movie movie. Like, you know, let's kick everybody into the Spartan hole. Like, Well, I think that was plot-centric because then he ran out of darts. So after he darted the entire family, he had run out of darts, and he couldn't use this, his last one on John. Like, was sure, I guess. Uh, but then, my- which might have been a funny gag. I mean, I like I said, I didn't laugh at anything in this movie, but I did kind of get like just a a sense of goodness uh, when Jeffrey Jones hit John Leguizamo with the gun butt because he runs out of the tranquilizer darts, and then John Leguizamo's like, "Ah, you can't shoot me! You can't shoot me!" And then John Le- Jeffrey Jones just hits him in the face with the gun butt, and I'm like. Good on you, you fucking Nazi. But my, I think that scene, again, perfect ending to the movie, he pulls out another gun and says, you like Indiana Jones at the sword guy, like, what about this gun? Shoots him in the head and he's dead. Oh, yeah, no, if John Leguizamo was murdered in this film, perfect movie. And then after that, my next note is, uh, did their tracking computer already have pre-programmed sprites for uh, the Scotsman wearing kilts that start showing up? After they incorporate the, the Scottish mob into their plan? 
that's a joke that I I would want to laugh at. I would want to see that in a better movie. Is when they're looking at the tracker. Not only does it have a little John Leguizamo animated thing running, but then the, the Scottish mob little characters start chasing him. Uh, but then, yeah, then we get into the the Jew thing. I didn't get because there was there's a synagogue scene, and my question is why is the synagogue ideal for hiding as opposed to anything else? Except this is the one ethnicity we haven't made fun of yet in the movie. That's what it felt like. Like they say, oh yeah, the synagogue. No one would ever look for us in there. But in movie-making terms, it just seemed like, well, we haven't offended the Jews yet. Shalom! And mazel tov, my little gefiltes and yentas. And you are? <laughs> I am a sugar, but of course, let me introduce myself. My name is Rabbi Bargus Steenstein. And this is my Fakakta associate, Rabbi Chubby Bergbaum Steenstein. But there was also a scene in the dinner party where they were talking right before the darts come out. And I think he says something about like dating a Jew. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I remember like perking up like, Oh, is that, is that some anti-Semitism here as well? Oh no. It was, he was explaining his heritage to his girlfriend's mother. And he said like, uh, yeah, my dad was this, my mom was this. And there's a rumor that my grandmother fucked a Jew. Okay. But something. Along it was said lines. in that way where you like, when you say Jew in a way that's like, I don't think you like Jews. Like, I- yeah, no, uh, this movie doesn't like anybody. <laughs> This movie is racist in its defense. It is one of the most racist movies we've watched on this podcast, but it hits everybody. Like it doesn't leave any ethnic group unracist. Okay. You know, I hear that a lot where it's like, yeah, it's racist, but it's equal opportunity racist. That's not better. That's worse. Oh, I'm not saying it's better. But like, I feel like that's brought up as like a defensive shit. Like, well, at least we were racist in a way that everybody got. No, that just means you were more racist than the thing that was only racist against one race. Yeah, now if... Yeah, ugh. Ugh, I hated all of this. Because, uh, yeah, then the white guys get something too. Because after the Jew scene, they, uh, they pull up on a bunch of white guys who are credited in the film as white dudes. And they are they're some like, white dudes. They are very white dudes. One of them, uh, the writer of this film. And they're like, hey, black guy. Because he's with Ari Spears. So they're like, hey, black guys. Um, what's with your music in your car? Or something like that. And then so I can't, I don't understand what happened in here. But John Leguizamo turns on his music in his car. And then they turn on their music. They're playing I Love Rock and Roll because they white. And then there's just a battle between whose car is louder. And then they murder the white people with their subwoofers? Well, you're leaving out a convenient fucking break in the movie's uh, visual logic where their car just suddenly turns into like a Pee Wee Herman invention where they keep pushing these buttons and like their car, like the subwoofers are bigger than the car at that point. Yeah, they're comically large speakers pop out of this car. Which my note is car party duel. This is a really significant prop for such a lame, unfunny gag. That is true. And you know, uh, this wasn't improv. This had to have been scripted because they had to build that. But then, they, yeah, they kill the guys with the hip hop and steal their tickets to the party, which, I mean, I again, that's a joke that I feel like I would laugh at in a better movie. Well, that, like, you, you have a party duel and then they literally fucking die. I, I kind of, I, I, I kind of enjoyed that idea, but I couldn't tell what was happening. Like, the music is so loud, it starts destroying the white guy's car. And then they're, they just, like, peel over dead. I, how did they die? Just from the power of the music, I think. 
that's the thing. That's it. That's I think it's a meant to be kind of an absurdist joke, which there's a lot of there, well, not a lot, but there are some jokes in this movie that are good on paper and just executed so poorly that you're like, oh, I, I think I should have laughed at that, but I didn't because it sucked. No, I never had that thought watching this film. <laughs> I just wasn't laughing, and I went, no, I'm justified in not laughing at this. Uh, well, my next note is I'm definitely putting Cool as Ice, <laughs> the ice uh, uh, or the Vanilla Ice movie on the list. Because it just feels like a movie we should watch now. I suppose so. Uh, anything until Japanese karaoke? Um, well, just before then, I love the look on John Leguizamo's face where he's like, this is the perfect idea. I'm going to steal an Asian man's clothes. Why is that a better plan than just leaving? I know. <laughs> you could have just left and been away from all these people chasing you. Uh, no, yeah, he steals a Japanese man's clothes in the bathroom and then goes into a karaoke bar, sings Bonanza. And then this pissed me off, I think, more than anything in the film. Earlier in the movie, John Leguizamo is talking to Jeffrey Jones's son and the son has this little bottle of, like, perfume or cologne and he's like, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's a very powerful animal pheromone. It'll make any animal, like, you know, super duper fucking horny. And in that moment, I'm like, ooh, Chekhov's animal pheromone. Jeffrey Jones is going to get squirted with this and get fucked by a gazelle, right? But then that doesn't happen. He just throws the pheromone on him and a bunch of guys just jump on him like dogpaw Jeffrey Jones. We never see him get humped or kissed or anything. That scene could have been glorious. And yes, I know I'm hoping for a scene where a man gets fucked by a gazelle in a movie and that would be better. But that's the kind of film The Pest is. You're really hoping that you're going to see a guy get fucked by a gazelle sometime in this film. No, I absolutely agree. Well, we we had that in another movie, um, uh, superhero movie. Remember when he gets the H two O two or whatever on him, and it, it's the thing that makes squirrels want to fuck him. Yeah, and that was funny. Uh, but but in this, it would have been funny because it would have been like third act comeuppance. It'd be like you know maybe they go into a zoo or something, and all the zoo animals you know pounce on him because obviously they're off the island by that point. So it, you need to have some thing where there's there's other animals there unless they go back to the island maybe in the third act but uh but yeah no that would have been the perfect ending to his character jeffrey jones gets fucked to death by a bunch of animals yeah I mean, the hunter gets hunted at least in the the universe in which john leguizamo is the hero of the movie and jeffrey jones is the villain not in the movie we got where jeffrey jones is the hero maybe if john leguizamo went to do that but spilled it all on himself and then a lion fucks him to death then that would have been the perfect ending to the film yeah, I I was writing it in my head as the movie was going on, but they just, they spoiled it. They they spoiled the only good fucking setup they had. Because okay, well, then I, he I, just gets away for a second. He He's like, oh, I'll uh, throw this animal pheromone on Jeffrey Jones. A bunch of guys will dogpile him. I'll sneak out the back. And then he immediately gets caught by the Scottish Mafia. So he's like, it doesn't even help him that much. It was like a Chekhov's gun that fired, but just fired a bullet that went like, meh. Or like I'm the just bullet throwing... came out like all fucking limp, like a fucking limp-ass dick. I'm throwing this out. At the end, they're on a pier, and uh, he throws the, the stuff on him. He's like, what do you think that's going to do? There aren't even any animals here. And then he looks out into the ocean, and a bunch of fish just start diving out of the ocean and fucking Jeffrey Jones to death. And then a shark comes out, and it's just humping Jeffrey Jones on the floor. I, you're pitching the perfect film, but unfortunately, it's not the pest. No, no. And I've got no other notes. We've talked about everything else in my notes, uh, except I want to get into something that I read on Wikipedia about this movie. 
Did you did you do any research into the 1997 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards? Uh, no, no, I did not. I did see that this got nominated for Worst Actor. Well, I just I clicked on that link, um, and it was nominated. It did not win, but I I clicked on that link and was reading about it. And as somebody who's been kind of morbidly fascinated with the the Raspberry Awards and just how pathetic they are, reading about the nine, the Stinkers Awards made me even more sad because they're like 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 as shitty as the Golden Raspberry is. These are like the asylum movie version of that, like the shitty, like, like remember when there was a controversy last year about the Golden Raspberries nominating a child? Yeah. The stickers have their own award. It's the Spencer Breslin award for worst child acting. They do it every year or did. They eventually folded because nobody needs one fake bad movie award, let alone two. But there's also an image on their Wikipedia page for an award for Tom Green which he didn't accept because remember Tom Green accepted his his Razzie Award for Freddy Got Fingered. The Stinkers tried to do the same thing, but he didn't care enough to come to to pick it up. So then they tried to do the give it to Halle Berry, who also accepted her Razzie Award, and she wouldn't accept it either because of the poor sad little stinker that nobody cares about. It was it's just the the pathos of of this organization just floored me. <laughs> Is it? I guess I have to look more into it. Is it a real thing? I always thought that was like an internet only thing because I've seen things, uh, you know, movies say they got nominated for a stinker award, but like some movies are from like the fucking like seventies and eighties, and I'm like, there's no way this organization existed back then. They must have like retroactively done stuff. So I thought it was just like an internet site. Well, no, evidently it started that way. What started as a private club in the seventies. But oh. then they they opened it up to uh, like the public in the age of the internet in 1997. That was the first year that like, people could vote on it online, and where they tried to actually have like ceremonies. They tried to make it like the Razzies is, uh, which even then like they it's barely a ceremony. But uh, and then it was so pathetic that they had to to shut down in like 2007. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. I thought this was just like a fake internet thing that somehow got on people's IMDb's. <laughs> Uh, no, well, apparently it is something. I guess they reviewed, they released it to the public, but then they they felt that it was compromising the integrity of the Stinker Awards because they found that most of the people voting hadn't actually seen all the movies and were just voting for like the low hanging fruit, like the Razzies does, and they didn't want it to be that. They wanted it to be like people actually saw the movies and declared the worst. The honor system, yeah, you have to watch the pest to know how bad it is. So I believe eventually they would restrict it to you know more of a like a. Uh, nuance or um, a uh, what do you call a uh, uh, a list of just people? Um, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, like you, they're bored. The stinkers bored. Yeah, a board of directors, and then eventually people <laughs> people lost whatever interest they had, which wasn't apparently a lot, and then uh, then they folded. Uh, all right, yeah, I always thought that was a fake thing. I did not know there was a real history behind the stinker awards. Curated, oh, yeah. curated was the, the the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I have nothing else for the past. Uh, this is one of the worst films we have ever watched. Uh, I did not like any of it, and I do not recommend it. Uh, I recommend the shit out of this movie because uh, I find it incredibly interesting. Apparently, because I remember seeing trailers for this as a kid, but it was only in theaters for a week. It was pulled after one week, and it's a notorious bomb. I feel like most people either never heard of it or don't remember it, and... It's just one of those movies that I feel like you need to watch whether it's good or not. I don't know. I think you can watch the trailer, get a sense of how shitty it is, 
Because the trailer's probably as shitty as the movie. Just, okay, at least watch the opening theme rap. That's probably on YouTube. Watch it and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I would say watch the opening credits of this. And then, again, if if you want to watch more, why? Why why do you? Because I got through those opening credits and I went, I, I think I'm done. See, I, when those started, I was like, oh, we're going to be in for something special. And I feel like I was right. No, because they were so long, too. It was like fucking five minutes of John Leguizamo rapping in different outfits. I hated it. But it's like, you're, I think you're missing my enjoyment of it. Because, like, remember in Silence of the Hams when uh, Animal Cannibal Pizza was dressed like Dracula? And he farted, and he, like, he stood up. Like, that's at least a joke of, I don't know, I assume Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola film, was out at that time, so it was a parody of that. Yeah. Uh, and it's a joke of, like, you know, vampires, they do that. They stand from a lying position, they, they sit up, but he's doing, he's propelled by his farts. So it's like, it's not a funny joke, but at least you get, in that movie that is so fucking absurdist and crazy and feels like it's written by a robot, that joke at least makes logical sense within the context of itself. Why is he a, why is he a Dracula in the shower? Why is his Dracula farting? None of it connects to anything or makes any sense, and it fascinates me. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's literally like know. I'm a Dracula and I like to fart. Poop, poop, poop. I'm farting Dracula. Like that's that. That's it. That's the joke. What the fuck is it? I think that's a word for word lyric from the song. Uh, I don't know what mood I would have to be in to enjoy the pest. Because, uh, you know, there, I mean, Chairman of the Board was a bad movie. But I didn't hate watch. Like, I got stuff out of it. Like, it wasn't an abysmal experience. This was an abysmal experience. But I don't think it was my mood. Like, I, like, I don't know how high I would have to be <laughs> to enjoy this film. Ironically or unironically. Well, again, I'm not saying it's a good film. I'm just saying it's a film that in the canon of film, you if you want to call yourself a cinema a cinephile, you need to see the pest. That's all I'm saying. Alright. Well, uh, alright, so for away from the pest now to next week. Next week is my pick. And And just so you know, I know what you're about to choose, so fuck you for everything you've just said about the pest. (laughs) Because the movie that you desperately want to see Fucking just throw, throw, just do it. Pull off the band-aid. The movie that it took two podcasts to get to. Uh, last week, we watched Ray Romano's Saturday Night Live episode because I wanted to watch Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Did John Leguizamo ever host SNL? Uh, no. Did Jeffrey Jones? No, Jeffrey Jones never hosted no. SNL. That's not possible. No, if there was an SNL host in this uh, movie, I, I would have at least counted that as an SNL connection. Uh, okay. No, there were no, no SNL hosts. So, welcome to Mooseport. So, uh, welcome to Mooseport. Um, have you, You've never seen this film? I think I might have seen it years ago when it came out, but I don't remember anything about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about it. I just know uh, it, it kind of had some stank on it when it came out. It was like, oh, the guy from... The Ray TV show is in a movie. No, thank you. And then it is Gene Hackman's final film. I don't believe his retirement from acting has anything to do with Mooseport. I think he's just like, I'm old and I want to be on a ranch 
writing poetry instead of fucking being in movies with Ray Romano. I don't know, but I mean, he wasn't that old. Like, it feels like a Sean Connery, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen situation to me, just because, like, he was, I mean, maybe not in his prime. I don't know how you judge that one way or the other, but, like, he was, like, he could have made movies for the next 10 years. Uh, well, I mean, he's still alive, and Welcome to Mooseport was over 20 years ago, so he's been retired for a fairly long amount of time and seemingly wants nothing to do with the uh, the business anymore. Well, because, like, Jack Nicholson, I think, didn't he develop, like, Alzheimer's? Like, he has a I think he's got reason. dementia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this, yeah, because I think they, they approached him, apparently, for the Joker in the new Flash movie, because they're doing all the flashbacks and shit. They wanted to have him make me do the voice or something, but he was like, no, I, I can't fucking do it. I'm, I'm super retired. Uh, well, yeah, this is Gene. So Gene Hackman's last movie, an actor I've always loved. Um, he was in the Poseidon Adventure, where we all know Shelley Winters farted on Red Button's face. It uh, so I've loved him as a child uh, since I was a child, uh, and so I've always been curious just to watch it because it's his last movie. It's Ray Romano's first movie. We've established I like me some Ray Romano, uh, and also it just—it's probably not even going to be interesting. So I'm kind of regretting. My choice of Welcome to Mooseport, but since we've already had an episode um, just to validate Welcome motherfucker, to Mooseport, I feel like it's the only thing I can pitch. Motherfucker, we haven't watched it yet. You can change your mind right now. We can pick a different movie. Nah, I think it's going to be Welcome to Mooseport next week. <laughs> it's not like we've already watched it. It's too late. <laughs> uh, no, this is, it's, we, because I can't come back to Welcome to Mooseport. Welcome to Mooseport it doesn't seem like a great idea now. It's surely not going to be a great idea like three weeks from now. So it I wasn't a like... good idea when you thought of it. It's still not a good idea. <laughs> I think that's the problem is now that I've had like three weeks to sit with the idea of watching Welcome to Mooseport. Okay. Like if I just blurted it out on a whim and said, what about Welcome to Mooseport? Like it would be better. But now it's like, oh no, I've been, I've been saying Welcome to Mooseport for three weeks now. Let's see if this influences your decision. If we have to watch Welcome to Mooseport next week, the week after that, it's Fart the Movie. It's happening that soon in your life. Hey, if that's what if that's what it takes to finally watch Welcome to Mooseport. Is it that important to you? I need to watch Welcome to Mooseport. <gasps> By the way, a uh, serious question. Do you think Shelley Winter's uh, character's farts caused the Poseidon to flip over initially? Uh, I think that's canon, actually. They, they, that is in the movie. I remember that. Singing, There's got to be a morning. Whoa, no! What was that? <laughs> anyway. Uh, maybe she does. I'm trying to think of the book. I know there's sex in the book. I swear to God, I looked it up. There's no farts in the book. I don't know where it came from, but like that's been in my ma- my brain forever. It's not even in the Mad parody. We thought about that as well. It's nowhere. It's in my. It was probably a joke that Dad said when I was a kid, and in my head, it just became canon to the Poseidon Adventure. Let's I I watched see. it recently with Nate for the podcast, like last year. No fucking farts. Uh, I I think. I might reread that book. I remember really liking that book as a kid because it was like, it was just like the movie, but there was like dirty stuff in it. Like the, the Red Buttons character. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's the Red Buttons character or a character who's not in the movie, but like uh, two people go off and fuck twice during the <laughs> during the, the side adventure. And they're like, oh, we have to be quiet so they don't hear us fucking. Well, isn't the Red Buttons character sort of implied to be gay in the, the movie? Like as much uh, as he could in the 70s? I don't. I, well, they say he's like a confirmed bachelor, 
So maybe. But I, I assume think they that was a, a romance between him and the uh, him and the girl. Oh, that's right. They do. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, no farts in that movie. Plenty of farts in this movie. I don't know if there's going to be farts in Welcome to Mooseport, but two weeks from now, I know there's going to be some farts in Fart the Movie. <laughs> Yeah, I doubt. I I think Welcome to Mooseport is going to be a little more classy than uh, a visit to Mister Skids would allow. So until we see you for, just, can I just say, there's a chance Mister Skids might just be the character you play for the entire episode after we watch Fart the movie. Uh, yeah, no, I know that's that all that movie is is farts. I don't know why you want to watch it. It's now it's now it's to fuck you. Now it's because you're making me watch Welcome to Mooseport. Now it's vengeance. Hey, you haven't seen it yet. Welcome to Mooseport may be your new favorite film. Well, and so, if, if so, I might rethink it. I might say I don't need vengeance against you. But if I do, and I suspect that I will, it's Fart the Movie. Well, there's always hope. So until we see you again for the long-awaited Welcome to Mooseport, uh, a podcast that's been 20 years in the making. Ever since this movie came out, I was like, one day, I'm going to do a podcast about Welcome to Mooseport. That day finally comes next week. And so until we see you for that, get off the shit! I like to party with my peace, cruise and creep, play three car money on these crazy streets, straight hustler. I'm all a scam and I'm in it, so low to the flow, pick the pocket on a midget. Slick shyster, the best meister, living life in Miami's vice. Massey, nobody messes with the frog, see? Why's your messiah now? Like a book or I stick to this. Take away for this. Oh,